What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 60 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. All good things must come to an end. The 2021-2022 NFL season is officially finished with the Los Angeles Rams being Super Bowl champions with their 23-20 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals core for as good of a season as it was. The Super Bowl, I'd say it lived up to pretty good standards. I, won't say, I wouldn't say it's up there with the elite Super Bowls of our lifetime, but I definitely thought it was competitive back and forth, and we got to see a game-winning drive late in the game. So, I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. Not yet, for sure. I mean, for some reason coming to this game, I, I, I didn't think the Rams would necessarily cruise, but, like, I thought they'd win this game by like like more easily and obviously that was not the case they had to get a game-winning drive with like a minute 38 left but yeah I mean this was this was a game like it was all like all postseason very close game one possession game and yeah it came down to the wire so yeah I, I'd call it pretty uh, a pretty good Super Bowl to be honest yeah listen I'm with you on the fact that I thought the Rams were going to kind of get out early in this game and kind of coast I didn't think it was going to be a complete blowout but I thought the Rams would be in control of the game but honestly it looked that way early on. I mean, the Rams jumped out to an early lead and then kind of a turning point in this game core, if you ask me, was when Odell Beckham Jr. goes down in the second quarter. I know I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit there, but at that point, the Rams were up, what was it? It was 13-10, but the Rams were driving right before half. It was right before the two-minute warning. Odell, non-contact injury, goes down with an ACL tear. And really up until that last drive in the fourth quarter, the Rams struggled on offense without Odell Beckham Jr. I know other guys really didn't step up as much. I know Hopkins, I thought, played pretty well there. Actually, their third-string tight end. Blanton was kind of a non-factor in the game. Then Jefferson as well. The other guy from Notre Dame, botching his name, it starts with an S. But, yeah, if you ask me, I think definitely Odell being out definitely hurt the Rams. And like I said, they had 13 points like relatively early-ish in the game. And then they were kind of held out of the end zone until that last throw from Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. So yeah, unfortunate for Odell Beckham Jr. The Rams luckily were able to get over the hump and hopefully for Odell, he's able to recover. Yeah, I mean, for Odell's sake, uh, he's gone through a lot, obviously. And like, yeah, early in this game, Odell caught the first touchdown of the game, had another big catch. And you, it seemed like it was going to be a big game. Like, hey, you never know. Odell stays in this game. Maybe... They're tuning in on Cooper Cup so much that Odell Beckham is your Super Bowl MVP if it's not Matthew Stafford. So, or maybe like if they give it to a defensive player. But yeah, I mean, Odell Beckham goes down and game kind of shifts. I mean, especially for the Rams offense, really couldn't get much going. I mean, Van Jefferson, a guy all year, uh, he's been behind Robert Woods, he's been behind Odell Beckham Jr. It was his time to kind of be almost like that guy. I mean, with Cooper Cup seeing a lot of coverage and he, he really couldn't. He really couldn't get open, couldn't make contested catches. And, yeah, I mean, the Rams' offense was certainly struggling. Uh, credit to the Bengals' defense. They kind of shut off the run game, forcing um, Matthew Stafford to throw. And, it, yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup, obviously that guy, top, I'd say top three receiver right now. And, hey, it, wasn't, it was not pretty at all by the Rams' offense. But at the end of the day, they got that Super Bowl ring. Defense came up big. And, yeah, I think the better team uh, ended up winning the game. Yeah, for sure. I know, obviously, we're going to talk extensively with Cooper Cup and his season in a little bit, but I kind of want to swing it back to it. Yeah, you said it wasn't pretty for the Rams. I think the biggest reason for that was their offensive line play. I thought it honestly flat out sucked, if you ask me. I thought the Rams were going to be able to control the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball, and really, they weren't able to do it. I'll credit Cincinnati's defense. This unit was a lot tougher than, I guess, a lot of people gave them credit for, but they played very well on the defensive side of the ball. Like They got that interception 
by Jesse Bates before half. Then coming out of the half, too, they caught it like a ball tipped off a receiver's hand. Jadobia Wuzier came down with the interception. And then they held the Rams to about three. They gave up a field goal and then three straight punts by the Rams offense, too. Again, Cam Akers ran 13 carries for 21 yards. As a team, the Rams averaged 1.9 yards a carry. I mean, again, this is a team that averaged four yards a carry during the regular season, a team that their identity, Sean McVay's offense, want to run the ball. But those guys up front did a great job for Cincinnati and really kept the Bengals in the game. I thought the Bengals weren't really able to ever open it up as much. I think they had their own problems on offense, really protecting Joe Burrow. But that was one thing, if you ask me, that really stood out to me, how physical Cincinnati's defense was and how much – I don't want to say Cincinnati, like, their defense kind of carried them, but I know you kind of brought this up to me, like, saying, like, it's, like Cincinnati's – people think of Cincinnati, you know, instantly they're going to go to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and stuff like that. But Cincinnati's defense, you're right, you're saying this to me, it's probably almost just as good as their offense. That unit is very good. They have a lot of money to spend in the offseason. That's also something we'll get to. But that was something that was very surprising to me, especially, like I said, their front four. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals' defense, certainly in this game, I think you just got to give a lot of credit to them. I mean, like, every time Cam Akers touched the rock, I mean, he, he really had nowhere to go, wasn't wasn't able to break any tackles. The Bengals' D-line really, um, yeah, I mean, they really stepped up big. I, I still think, like, when it comes to, like, what unit's better, I think I got to still say the offense is better just because, like, the big names they got. Like, the, if the Bengals had, an, like, a good old line, that, that offense is probably, like, top, top, top tier. Right now, I'd say it's, like, probably, like, a top 10 offense. But if they had no line, I think, like, they're they're top of the top of when it comes to offenses. But, yeah, I mean, that D-line really um really played good. I was impressed by by um, Sam Hubbard on, on defense, on defensive end. Made some, uh, made some big tackles. But, yeah, I just think that the Bengals' defense certainly is underrated. I think in a game like this, they kind of showed, like, that, like this team is not just our offense. I think that for that, at least in my opinion, I think their their defense being this good kind of makes me think like the Bengals are really here to stay. Cause a lot of times like the offense wasn't, it's not like the offense was winning a lot of games and like major shootouts, like the defense kind of played well. So yeah, I think the defense certainly impressed and the defensive line. Yeah. Definitely played like above what we were expecting. Yeah, all throughout the playoffs, I know the Bengals' offense, like they were good, but they settled for a lot of field goals and stuff like that. But I kind of lost in the shuffle of that was how good their defense was. Obviously, the second half of that game against the Chiefs kind of shed some light on that. But yeah, you asked me, their performance definitely was a little eye-opening to me. I thought the Rams were going to be able to be a little bit more successful, especially without Larry Ojanobi, I believe is his last name, the defensive tackle. He's been around a lot of teams. I think he was with I want to say he was a Cleveland last year, signed over, brought to the Bengals this year. Very good run stuffing defensive tackle. Got hurt early on in the playoff run. Without him, I thought maybe they're going to have a harder time stopping the run, but they didn't. Core, with that being said, the Bengals' defense was great. The Bengals' offense, though, they had them some struggles of their own. I mentioned earlier it was 13-10 at halftime, Core. The Rams were up. They felt like maybe they could kind of take more control of this game. The Bengals come out of halftime, and they score a long touchdown, a 75-yard bomb to T. Higgins on – a complete miscall call by the refs. I mean, there was no call on the play, but Jalen Ramsey, T Higgins kind of hand fighting and T Higgins grabs him by the face. And that's kind of throws him down inadvertently, of course. And there's just no flag on this one. I know Jalen Ramsey gave up like 160 yards in this game, but I get 75 of them just should not have counted. I'm not, it doesn't take away from Ramsey having a bad game, but definitely misleading. 
Um, on the biggest stage court, I just don't know how you missed that call. It's unfortunate. Thankfully for the Rams, it didn't come back to completely bite them. But you know what I mean? It's tough for a game like that for an outcome of the game to potentially be swayed by such a drastic no call. So, like I said, I'm kind of happy that at least the Rams, it didn't end up hurting them in the end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That was pretty clear and obvious if you ask me. Yeah, I think the Rams – I mean, I think if the refs look at that replay, certainly it's obviously not a call where they're like, oh, I don't know, is that is that P.I.? Like, it's obviously clear-cut P.I. or at least like a face mask, some type of offensive penalty. Like, can't do that in the air. I mean, obviously he, he went up in the air, made a good play on the ball, but while he was doing that, casually just tossing Jalen Ramsey to the ground. So, yeah, I think on the biggest stage of the game, biggest stage of anything, like – Definitely a really bad missed call. And then the next the next possession for the Rams, they throw an interception. So definitely was a big change in this game. But when it comes to Jalen Ramsey, like, yeah, he gave up 160 yards. I mean, obviously, you, I know you saw at the end, like, like Aaron Donald gets to Joe Burrow at the end of the game. But, like, you saw J- Jalen Ramsey on the ground and Jamar Chase wide open. Like, Jalen Ramsey is actually – like, if Joe Burrow has a little bit more time, I don't know if he even saw him downfield, but, like, J- like a Matt, Jalen Ramsey could have been the most memed guy. Like, the best corner in the NFL could have been the most memed guy if Joe Burrow had a little more time. Like, that would have been crazy to find Jamar Chase for a game when he touched on, like, a guy who talks all that. And I, th- I think he is the best corner, but, like, I don't know. Just shows how, like, a little bit, of, like, how, how much, like, different, like, seconds could, like, change of play. I mean, obviously it didn't happen, but would have been would have been pretty cool to to think of, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a little misleading if you ask me. Do do I do yes, Ramsey was beat by that time though, on like the picture. I mean Burrow's already kind of getting a, almost about to get wrapped up. At the same time though, Burrow starts launching that ball. I mean, I don't know if there was like a safety over the top. I mean, I don't want to say that he's necessarily going to get there, but if there's a safety on like the near hash, there's like if you ask me, I just don't think that ball gets there. I, I, just, I don't know. That, that's kind of how I saw it. But still, you could definitely look at that and be like, all right, maybe if Joe Burrow was able to stay upright, he would have had a chance. Core, we mentioned you mentioned how the Rams throw that interception. The Bengals take a 20 to 13 lead. And I mean, the common theme after that was just Joe Burrow cannot stay up. I mean, the Rams defense in the second half really took over this game and kind of put the Rams on their back. I mean, again, they held four straight times the, they forced the Bengals to punt. That is huge in a sense. Aaron Donald and Von Miller, both two stars in the NFL. I mean, Aaron Donald, again, is going to get talked about as one of the best defensive players of all time at the rate that he's on. I mean, it's incredible how good he is. Both those guys had two sacks. Donald, three quarterback hits, as well as Von Miller. I mean, the stunts that Raheem Morris was drawing up, the twist, the Bengals' offensive line just couldn't deal with it. And again, it was evident that every single time Joe Burrow dropped back to pass in the second half, he was going to have a bunch of Rams closing in on him. In the first half, they did a good job of getting rid of the ball quick. Cincinnati, they schemed up a lot of things. But in the second half, Aaron Donald really kind of put this defense on his back and said, let's go, and really disrupted the game. I mean, it's it's hard to watch a game like that and not value your offensive line so highly because it just completely – I mean, in, in one end, you see the Rams, how they can't run the ball because they can't win on the line of scrimmage. And then on the other side, you see how the Bengals can't throw the ball or do anything on offense because Aaron Donald, Von Miller – Leonard Floyd and company are closing in on Joe Burrow in two seconds. So again, you got to, you got to win in the trenches and both defensive lines. I thought did an excellent job of doing that and tried to keep their teams in their game. Yeah. I mean, the Rams made this a 20 to 16 game um, semi early in the third quarter. And then like, after that, it was just like punt, 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 punt. And honestly, just like 
the Rams lacking offensive weapons at that point and Joe Burrow actually having like barely any time to throw. I honestly thought this game was actually like, I just thought it was going to end in a 20 to 16 game. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would just seem like both defenses were just like, just outplaying the offensive lines, especially, I mean, the Bengals O-line, I thought, yeah, I thought in the first half, they kind of did a good job giving Burrow, like talked about on the last episode, like if they can give Burrow some time to throw, like I'm not expecting Burrow to be able to like have 10 seconds back there and make any throw he wants, like Patrick Mahomes does sometimes. But yeah, I thought like in the first half, the, the Bengals O-line held up pretty well, but I was thinking in my head, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before like Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller get get to um get to Joe Burrow. I think I think Donald had two, Von Miller had two, and Leonard Floyd had one. So yeah, it was only a matter of time. This game certainly at the line of scrimmage was definitely won by uh by both defenses for sure. Yeah, definitely. And like we said, with that. We saw seven straight punts in this game after the Rams kicked that field goal early in the third quarter to make it 20 to 16. I mean, for two teams that I think we would both agree have top 10 offenses, seven straight punts in the Super Bowl. Not what you really want as offensive minded head coaches, Sean McVay and Zach Taylor would definitely tell you. I mean, that's not going to win you games if you can't move the football offensively. I know the Rams, too, they missed a couple of chances. Cooper Cup, I know they tried some trickery where he threw the ball to Stafford, just missed them a little bit. Maybe you wonder, was that supposed to be OBJ design? Like, you know what I mean? OBJ's throwing the ball a couple times in his past. You're wondering maybe that play was with him in mind. With all that being said, Corden, with the Rams' struggles offensively, they still had a chance late in this game to go on a drive and potentially win the game because their defense kept it in them. And as we've already, as you, of course you've already know, it was Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup stepping up at the biggest stage. They go on a 15-play, 79-yard drive, capped off by a Cooper Cup touchdown, a beautiful back shoulder ball from Stafford to Cup. And I mean, I don't care who was guarding Cup in that situation. I know Eli Apple, he, listen, he deserves all the memes for all the stuff that he talks about sometimes on Twitter, but no corner in the league was guarding that. That's a perfect throw, a perfect execution by Cooper Cup on his route. And I mean, it's a thing of beauty. I think the back shoulder is one of my all-time favorite throws, throwing catches that you see in the National Football League. I mean, Cup finishes this one with eight catches 92 yards in the receiving two touchdowns he added seven yards on the ground too on that big fourth down conversion it just seemed when it all came down to a core the guy who they traded two first round picks was able to find the offensive player of the year this year I mean they had that big third down conversion on one of the craziest throws across the middle the no look one and um yeah, I mean, that's why you go out and get Matthew Stafford and that's why you upgrade from Jared Goff because Stafford went out there and won them that game yeah, I mean, Stafford was definitely able to make throws um, that, yeah, I'm not saying Jared Goff's not a good quarterback, but, like, I, you put Jared Goff in that situation, I don't know if he's necessarily getting it done without Odell Beckham, without Robert Woods, and basically only throwing the Cooper Cup out there. But, yeah, I think that 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 end of the – that, like, that game-winning drive where Cooper Cup catches that almost, like, back, back shoulder um, – to win the game, I think, I think everyone just loved that it was on Eli Apple because you know Eli Apple guy's been talking a lot and he really he's really not that guy at all. I'm not I'm not saying Eli Apple's good, but that's kind of just like like I don't know how many corners in the league are really stopping that. Like that's just a tough tough thing to guard. It's a great throw, it's a great receiver, and it's just in a great location. Like you really, it's really almost like unguardable, in my opinion. So yeah, I mean Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Honestly, been a sensational connection 
all year. I mean, if you think about it, Matthew Stafford has actually been the quarterback of probably the two, two, I'll say two of the best seasons of all time. Obviously, he was throwing to Calvin Johnson and then comes and, and throws to Cooper Cup. So I don't know. I think Matthew Stafford being in Detroit for so long, I think like everyone knew he was he was like a good quarterback, including myself. Like personally, I didn't think Matthew Stafford was like an elite quarterback. I knew obviously talented guy. First overall pick out of Georgia, but um, yeah, I mean, this postseason, this whole this whole year, he proved that he's a pure baller and he's a winner. So yeah, I mean, that was definitely a great ending to a to a great season for him and Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, Stafford, you mentioned, I forgot exactly where I heard. It. I think it was one of the ESPN guys was saying that almost like his time in Detroit kind of prepared him for all the adversity that he might face in L.A. And exactly when necessarily your offense wasn't great at certain points in this game, when their run game isn't great. I mean, Stafford's dealt with that before. He played with the Lions for, what, 11, 12 years of his career. So when the game was on the line, he was able to do that. Core, I know I kind of mentioned it. I mean, the, the throw that he made, the no-look thing, I mean, to pull that off in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl is just ridiculous again. I, I still think that is an unbelievable – like, it's a crazy throw to be able to – just kind of put that out there and trust in yourself that you can make that and put it right on target like he did. The other play that's going to be talked about a lot on that drive court is the third down play. Cooper Cup is kind of running a route. He cuts back over the middle. And Logan Wilson, I thought he kind of got a grab on him and kind of just like opened his hips enough and like got enough of his hand on his like torso, I guess I'll say, for there to warn a flag. I guess you could say maybe there's a no call there. That's definitely going to be something that Cincinnati's not happy with. I agree with the point that the, the Reds did do a good job, at least of letting them play. It seemed like all day. And then maybe at the end, yeah, like why are you all of a sudden getting so tacky and throwing the flag? Did I think it was the right call? Yes. I don't think you take anything away from the Rams, but I think Cincinnati will definitely be a little upset maybe with that call. And I can un understand it, but at the end of the day, I do think it was a penalty. And then obviously the one later, a couple plays with Eli Apple, the, anybody will say that was definitely a hold, which was the right play. Again, you're, it was going to be a touchdown if you didn't hold. So smart play there. But in the end, the Rams were able to overcome that. And for Cincinnati, they can kind of look back on that last drive and be a little upset in the sense that they didn't get the necessary stops and maybe they got a little unlucky. Yeah, I mean, obviously that – um, like, I personally, I think that that one to Cooper Cup, the um, original one, definitely could have been a no call. But I don't know. You think about it, obviously, like, T. Higgins got a touchdown. But, um, yeah, I think – I mean, obviously the one in the end zone was a clear cut. Holding personally, if it's me, I'm not really calling one on the. I think it was third down to uh, yeah, Cooper Cup. I think a lot. Yeah, the linebacker grabbed him a little bit, but obviously, I think like early in the game though, like a, it, like I saw someone was like a similar type play. Like Jalen Ramsey was guarding T Higgins, and he gave him a little grab on like his like his towel or like jersey, and obviously T Higgins didn't catch the ball. I think. It's almost like a similar type play. Maybe this one by the Bengals defender was a little more holding, but I don't know. I think they were kind of similar, and it was two different calls. But honestly, like, can't really say anything because I think um, the Bengals got the biggest gift of of the game when, um, yeah, when when Jalen Ramsey clearly got his face mag tugged to the ground by T. Higgins. So I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. I think at the end of the day, the refs did a fine job in this one, and. They kind of they kind of like didn't blow their whistle for most of the game. So, um, yeah, I'm not I don't think it was too bad of a call. I probably went to called it, but like I don't have a problem really with it. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, too. I don't think you would say in any way, shape or form that this game was ref one sided. So I guess you can kind of live with that in a sense. I don't think there were any like insane calls. If you actually I thought the Jalen Ramsey one was a brutal miss, but 
I know I was slandering for. I guess it happens, right? Like I said, at the end of the day, at least I'm happy that the Rams won and it, they weren't really too hurt from that core. Let's kind of bring it now to a big stage. It kind of wraps up our Super Bowl game discussion. Let's get into more things. We'll talk about more players. Obviously, first, we're going to talk about the MVP of the Super Bowl, Cooper Cup. Like I mentioned earlier, his final stat line was eight catches, 92 receiving yards, two touchdowns, another seven yards on the ground. Well-deserved Super Bowl MVP, if you ask me. I didn't really know. Going into the game, I felt that, like, for Cup to be MVP, Stafford would have to have a couple turnovers, which he ended up doing, and Cup would have to have a big game. So it kind of coincided with that, played out perfectly for him. Core, I got a, I got all the numbers up right here. 21 total games for Cup on the season, regular and postseason. 178 catches, 2,425 yards, 22 total touchdowns. He won the triple crown, obviously, in the NFL regular season. He was a unanimous All-Pro, won Super Bowl MVP, NFL Offensive Player of the Year. He was a unanimous All-Pro. I mean, the best wide receiver season of all time, I think, belongs to a guy out of Eastern Washington. It's an unbelievable story. I'm very happy for Cooper Cup. And, uh, yeah, a guy who wasn't even able to play in the first Super Bowl that the Rams were in a couple years ago against the Patriots because he tore his ACL. He was always a good receiver, if you ask me, but this year with Matthew Stafford, I mean, he took that to new heights. You said he's a top three receiver in the league. He definitely deserves that in a sense. People could say, oh, he plays in the slot. He schemed up good. Nah, man, those numbers aren't a coincidence. An unreal year from Cooper Cup, something that we will talk about in 20 years. Do you remember how dominant Cooper Cup was in 2021 when the Rams won the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I think Cooper Cup this season, um, we all knew Cooper Cup, I think, was obviously, like, a little bit underrated of a wide receiver. But, like, this year, obviously, like, you just can't even say he's underrated anymore because he just reached such – like, he just hit another gear this whole season. It was almost like Cooper Cup was, like, basically a free 100-plus 100, 100 yards every game and a touchdown each game. Like, like teams knew that this guy – like. This guy was the game like this guy was the game plan for defenses. Like they had they like game plan for Cooper Cup. Obviously, like you had OBJ and Robert Woods for a lot of this year, but like Cooper Cup was obviously like thought of heavily. Like we gotta we gotta be ready for this guy. And it didn't matter. Like he just came in. Great route runner, great hands, great everything. I don't know. Just like something about him this year. And I, I think it comes back next year. Like, I don't know. Obviously, I don't think he's gonna have over 1900 yards in the regular season, but I don't see why not. Like, he could – obviously, you can't – like, it's going to be tough to replicate, but I think he could definitely put up another really solid year. Like, I think he's – I think he's been a good receiver, but I think this year, obviously, like – I don't know. I see – after a year like this, I think, like, your confidence just gets so high that I don't see how you could, like, fall off. Like, how you could, like, dip a lot. Like, I think people are – like, I don't know if people think, like, somehow this is a fluke. Cause it's definitely not a fluke. Like you don't, you don't just go in and have this many yards every game. Like obviously it's not a fluke, but I don't know. I just think for a guy like Cooper cup, his confidence has to be like through the roof right now. So obviously a great season. He's honestly a great story. I think it's zero star recruit. I think Eastern Washington was his only offer. So it just shows like you got to bet on yourself. And I mean, confidence and hard work can get you there. And obviously this season proved that in uh yeah, prove that. Yeah, broke a lot of records as well at Eastern Washington as uh, an FCS school. There, a bunch of those records there. I believe he was uh, ended up being a fourth round pick too. So yeah, just trust in yourself and look at him now a Super Bowl MVP. Another guy core who obviously is a big winner out of all of this is Matthew Stafford. Of course, we mentioned all those years in Detroit. Now 
in the Rams. He just led the Rams on a Super Bowl winning drive. Didn't win Super Bowl MVP, but did obviously win the game. Quinn, there's been a lot of discussion going around this week, and I know you, we definitely wanted to talk about this, about Stafford right now being a Hall of Fame quarterback. I guess I'll turn it over to you first. Like, Where do you think Stafford stands in talks of Hall of Fame conversations right now? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think this season definitely was like a major – major elevation and in, in, his, in his like legacy, obviously like him taking a major step. Like I think before this year, like Matthew Stafford wasn't even thought of as a potential Hall of Famer, despite having like really solid stats in Detroit. But I don't know, I still think you look at his resume, even with a ring, like I don't even personally, I don't really think it's much like that big of a debate. I don't think Matthew Stafford at this point is a Hall of Famer. I mean, you look at his resume, he's a Pro Bowl. I'm not even going to say anything, but he is. He's a one-time Pro Bowler, one-time Super Bowl champ. He doesn't have any he, – he won Comeback Player of the Year in, in 2011, but he doesn't have any All-Pros. He doesn't have any MVPs. He didn't even win Super Bowl MVP. Like, I think Matthew Stafford is a really, really, really good quarterback, but I think right now, like, you, you can't say the guy is a Hall of Famer. and He's 34 years old, I think. For him to be Hall of Famer, I, I think, I don't, I don't know. I, I personally think he has to get an MVP in there somehow. I think he could get that with the Rams. I think he's got to get an MVP. If he gets an MVP in one more ring, I, I could look him. I could look at him as a as a Hall of Famer. I think that's what he's got to do. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say that Stafford. I think is more talented as a quarterback than maybe some other quarterbacks who I think are worthy of going to the Hall of Fame. That I'll kind of explain that in a little bit. But what I'm the biggest thing with Stafford is this: he has a bunch of those records where he's like the fastest to ten thousand yards and other passing stats and stuff. The era has just changed so much in the NFL that when you compare Stafford to a quarterback from the '80s and really any quarterback who's played. 10, 15 years now in the NFL with those guys back then. Yes, they're going to have better numbers because you throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. That's just what you're asked to do. That's not what those guys back then were asked to do. So I think that, yeah, to say Stafford right now with this resume is a Hall of Fame quarterback, I, I just don't – I don't buy it either. I think that if you're saying that Stafford is right now, I think then Rivers – for sure, who just retired is a no-brainer. Obviously, I'm talking like the no-brainer is obviously being like Breeze, Bray, you know what I mean? Like, of course, those guys, but like Eli Manning, too, definitely then has to be a Hall of Famer, if you ask me. Where I, I mean, the guy's got two Super Bowl, two Super Bowl rings, and he has a bunch of those stats that Stafford does with passing yards, passing touchdowns. Roethlisberger, of course, another guy who is active, Russell Wilson, even another guy who's active right now, who I mean, if you're saying Stafford is then with Wilson's resume right now, yeah, him too then would have to go. Uh, Matt Ryan would be another one. Yes, Matt Ryan does have the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan also has an MVP, though, under his belt, right? So that that's where I kind of stand on it with right now being Matthew Stafford. Do I think that he could potentially get there? Yes. Do I think that he's more talented than a lot of those names that I just listed off? Yes. But at the end of the day, I just think that he has to kind of beef up that resume with a couple accolades. Yes, I know the Pro Bowl doesn't mean anything, but at least being named to the Pro Bowl, if you ask me, is still an honor. I think it should be taken into a little bit of a consideration. So I would like to maybe see a couple more of those appearances. I know this year he kind of got screwed out of it. I don't know how Kyler made the Pro Bowl over him. That was crazy. Kyler missed five games this year, but whatever. Um, no all pros too. I'd, you, I'd have to see a couple of those if you ask me. If he wins, if he wins another Super Bowl, I'd like him to get a Super Bowl MVP in there. But I don't know. I, I know Stafford. Obviously, he's going to say that he, that's not the reason he played the game. But I think that he has a chance to. He's got some time, but he definitely has to capitalize on these next couple of years with the Rams. 
With that being said, Corey, let's kind of get into the direction we think about these two teams and where they're going to go. We'll stay on the Rams side of things first because there's kind of been a lot of uncertainty these past couple of weeks with their two big guys. I mean, we'll start first with Sean McVay. There's rumors about him possibly going back and going to be in TV, taking a break, walking away for a couple years, which I think would be crazy. I mean, he just became the youngest coach to win a Super Bowl and then now wants to kind of take time to focus on his family, which I respect, of course. But I don't know, man. Sean McVay, I need you coaching football teams. You're way too good of a football mind to not be on a sideline somewhere. And the other guy, Aaron Donald, too. I mean, you're the best defensive player in football right now. Maybe, arguably, I guess you could say, obviously, T.J. Watt just won Defensive Player of the Year. He deserves all the credit in the world, too. But Donald's up there on the short list of guys you want on your defense. For him, again, the guy's made an all-pro every single year of his career. Uh, he kind of has to be there. I know him and McVay at the parade today were saying um, – uh, they would they would basically talk about the repeat or run it back. That's what I was saying. I don't know why I couldn't think of what exactly they were saying. So hopefully they're both back next year. Maybe it's a leveraging thing where they both just want money. But the Rams are in solid position, if you ask me, to potentially run it back. I know the Bucks this year were brought almost everybody back, and they still weren't able to do it. But who knows with the Rams? I think they're in a very tough division. But if McVay and Donald are still bought in for 2022, I think that they have a lot of pieces there that potentially could return and excel, and maybe they could repeat, especially how drastic the NFC might change this coming off season. Yeah. I think you look at the NFC right now. I think, um, I don't know. Personally, I don't know how, what Aaron, Don I didn't hear much about Sean McVay, but for Aaron Donald, in my opinion, to like come out before the game and be like, if we win, I might retire. I don't know. I think that that's not like, – I think him to say that kind of got to, like, get you thinking, like, he might know. Obviously, I think he's, what, 29 or 30 years old, but he's been in the league a pretty long time. Obviously, he didn't have a ring before this one. Like, he wanted to get a ring and then maybe just call it call it a career because I think, obviously, at this point, I think Aaron Donald is a Hall of Fame player. But I don't know. I think if he wants to run it back and Sean McVay wants to run it back, like you look at the NFC next year, obviously Tom Brady's no longer in the league right now. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' future in, um, in, in Green Bay is uncertain. I think, I don't know, I think if these two, if these two come back and obviously you still got Matthew Stafford, you got Cooper Cup, you got most of the team coming back. Like you look at the NFC, I don't, I don't think it's nearly as strong as the AFC. Obviously you got your, your division rival in the, in the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, you got the Cardinals. I'm probably forgetting some teams right now. Um, yeah, I really don't think the NFC is like necessarily that strong. So I think if if the Rams bring back people, I don't see I think they're definitely the favorites to win the um to win the NFC for sure and could definitely win another Super Bowl if, if these guys want to come back. I think, yeah, I think their window, they got like another, I think they should have like another two years. Um, in my opinion, I think definitely these guys come back. I don't see why they can't win the NFC and can't run it back. Yeah, I know off the top of my head, they're like their center, their right guard are free agents. Von Miller's also a free agent on the defensive side of the ball. Odell, too, obviously him being hurt now, and he's also a free agent. So there are a couple pieces, but they're going to bring for a majority their main crew back. It was kind of a two-year plan when they went to go get Stafford. Stafford's under contract for this next year. Uh, and then they obviously have to talk extension with him and figure out what they want to do. Obviously, I'd expect Stafford to stay there. But, yeah, I mean, their two biggest threats in the NFC in Tampa Bay and Green Bay are probably not going to be as good as they are next year. Obviously, with Rodgers' future, Brady retired, 
Dallas is there, but I, I don't know. Like the Rams yeah, are no, still no. better than Dallas today, no matter who the Rams lose, if you ask me. Arizona and all the questions going around with Kyler Murray, I think Kyler Murray will stay there, of course. But I don't know. I just think that their biggest contenders are in their division in Arizona and San Francisco too. But again, even San Francisco is changing things up at the quarterback position. Looks like going with Trey Lance. So yeah, a lot of uncertainty in the NFC for a team that just won the Super Bowl. I think, yeah, going into the year, I mean, right now, I think they're definitely the favorites in the NFC to get out of there. I know obviously there is a long, long time until now, from now until the regular seasons where we got to see kind of how rosters shape up and stuff like that. But and we also got to make sure that there's no Super Bowl hangover. You know what I mean? That happens sometimes. Like, the desire just kind of wears off a little bit. It's a lot different when you're fighting for something that you've never won, like McVay. And then, you, I don't want to say almost like complacent a little bit, but, hey, it happens sometimes in sports where a team wins one, and then the next season they kind of uh, come out a little bit sluggish. Two guys I'll mention real quickly before we move on to the Bengals side of things. Kind of got to give a quick shout-out for Andrew Whitworth, a guy who played in Cincinnati. I mean, he's 40-something years old now. Goes to the Rams now and wins a Super Bowl finally, so good for him. Also won the Walter Payton Man of the Year this past week. And Eric Weddle, too, comes out to retirement, was the signal caller for the Rams in the Super Bowl, which is absurd to be able to learn the defense that quickly. He even tore something in it. I think it's it tore his peck or something like that in this game or some messed up his shoulder or something like that. And didn't matter. He still stayed in the game. Hats off to Weddle. I believe, yeah, that was I believe it was his first Super Bowl win either. Yeah, because he definitely – he was still with the Chargers back when the Ravens won it too. So good for Weddle as well. And uh, he said that he's going to retire. So happy send-off for him. Core, on to the Bengals side of things. We mentioned last episode that even if the Bengals didn't win the Super Bowl, the season kind of has to feel like a success because they shattered expectations. Similarly to how the Chiefs lost last year and the mood in the offseason was, we got to fix this O-line. It's the same thing with Cincinnati. They got one key free agent on defense in Jesse Bates, who they will definitely have to bring back. I think he's a star in the making. I don't think he's enough of a household name. But besides that, I mean, the offensive line, they have to fix. They got a little unlucky with injuries to their right tackle, their right guard, who they picked in the second round this year. Jackson Carmen wasn't really able to completely win the job. Hopefully another year in the system helps him with that. But you got to bring in some help. Probably one, if not two linemen at least, to keep Joe Burrow upright. I think he got sacked in total, including the playoffs, like uh, 70 times this year. I think it was seven times he was sacked in the Super Bowl. Just unacceptable, especially for a young quarterback coming off a major knee injury with that ACL injury. He did it, even bang up his knee again in this game. Yeah, he said he'd be all right. It wasn't anything too, too major. But yeah, you got to keep the guy upright. And definitely the Bengals, their championship window is opening. If you ask me, when you look at their draft picks that they have, as well as all the cap space and how their contracts are structured, they really have to take advantage of this right now. Spend the money right now while Joe Burrow is not making a ton, while Jamar Chase and T. Higgins also aren't making a lot of money and just keep going for it. You know what I mean? You're never guaranteed a Super Bowl running in the National Football League. It's an ever-changing cycle. The AFC is stacked, and you got to have all the horses that you could have at your disposal. So please, please, Bengals, go spend some money. Go fix that offensive line. Go get a couple more pieces and try to put your team over the hump. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you look at the Bengals right now, I think, obviously, um, like, it's easy to say that they'll be back. But, like, I think if they do upgrade that offensive line, they – they could compete with the Chiefs and the Bills, but I don't know. I just think it's kind of different. Like, I think right now the AFC, like the journey to get to the Super Bowl, I think is, is, is definitely way more difficult in the AFC than the, than the NFC. Like, obviously, I think, I think the Rams did need this Super Bowl more than the Bengals, but I think 
if the Bengals did win and the Rams decided to run it back, like their journey to get back here is definitely not as difficult as the Bengals. I think, like, obviously the Bengals, you could see, like, they have a really, really, really good team besides the O-line. That's their, that's their only weakness. Every single other thing, they're a really good football team. But I don't know. It's just like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they have two, like, really good football teams in the AFC. And I know the, Chief, I know the Bengals beat the Chiefs. But if you ask me, like, if I think if those teams met again, personally, I think the Chiefs are, are winning the game. I think they kind of, they kind of like, were up at, were up pretty big at one point, kind of took their foot off the gas and couldn't really recover. I don't think the Bengals are better than either one of those teams right now. Obviously, Joe Burrow's young. They got a really young offense. They got a good defense right now. But I don't know, like, I want them to be back. But you look at the AFC, I think you got to put them behind the Bills and the Chiefs, even though those teams didn't, didn't, um, didn't, didn't win the AFC. I don't know. I think this year, if they could have like, I want to use the term stole, like, cause I don't think that the, if the Bengals won the Super Bowl this year, like, I don't think they're the best team in the NFL. Like I think the Rams you could claim are more so like the best team in the NFL. I don't think the Bengals really are. So if they were able to like steal a Super Bowl this year and get, get one for the city, get one for Joe Burrow, get one for everyone. I think would have been uh, would have been really big. So I don't know. I, I definitely still think like the future is bright, but just like the competition in the AFC, like you're not even meant. Like I think the Chargers are a team who will be dangerous. Justin Herbert, I think, is is a superstar. So I, I'm not saying the Bengals can't get back. I think Joe Burrow is a winner, but I just think like the AFC is so tough that I think it would have been really nice if they could have got one this year. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I think the gauntlet in the AFC, just how deep they are, too. Even their own division is very competitive, the Bengals. It's just like a perfect opportunity to be able to get that. It's going to be so difficult to get through the AFC. You mentioned, of course, the Chiefs and the Bills atop of the conference. Obviously, you mentioned Justin Herbert as well. There are a couple teams, Corey, if you ask me, that are a quarterback away as well from being Super Bowl contenders in the Indianapolis Colts, who we'll get to in a little bit. The Tennessee Titans, if they get better play out of Tano and a healthy Derrick Henry. The Cleveland Browns have a very good roster. The Ravens will be back this year. I mean, there are a lot of good teams in this conference. The Raiders are obviously just a playoff team bringing in Josh McDaniels. And of course, this is still the Patriots. The AFC is a lot deeper than the NFC. I mean, there's a pretty big imbalance now, if you ask me, especially with impending Rodgers, maybe to Denver. That's obviously a big spot. It's another Super Bowl contender in the conference. So yes, it would have been great for the Bengals to ultimately get that. With Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and all the pieces that they have, they're not going to like go away anyway. You know what I mean? They're not like, I don't expect the Bengals to go in four games next year, but the Bengals have to capitalize on this window right now of being able to win now. And I hope their GM is able to kind of assess some of the needs that they need and really go for it right now. Like we've said so many times during these playoffs, it is such a short window in the NFL when you can truly win a championship and the Bengals are walking into that right now. So please, please, please do everything you can to get Joe Burrow and the city of Cincinnati, a championship. Core, with all that being said, we will move on to some other events in the NFL this past week. We'll start with the NFL Honors, which was, I believe, last Wednesday or last Thursday night. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, Core, a lot of guys were named for awards. I'll just kind of run through them real quick, kind of ask you to kind of talk on any of them if you really want. We had Aaron Rodgers winning the MVP. I mentioned Cooper Cup winning Offensive Player of the Year. TJ Watt finally got over the hump and won his well-deserved Defensive Player of the Year. Micah Parsons was a unanimous Defensive Rookie of the Year. Jamar Chase was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Of course, starting with that group there, I mean, anybody you kind of want to give a nice shout to, anybody that you were surprised with or anybody that you think maybe got snubbed from this and deserves some credit from you? 
honestly, like, I personally, um, I don't know, I was good with all, with all the um, awards, basically, I think. Um, I'm happy Joe Burrow did win comeback player of the year. I think T.J. Watt was definitely deserving defensive player of the year. Uh, coach of the year, I think Mike Vrabel, I, I could uh, definitely side with him or him or Zach Taylor, in my opinion. I think either one would have been good. So, honestly, I think they did um, – they did a good job with all the um, with all the awards. To be honest, I hate to be I hate to be boring, but I don't know. I, I kind of think they got. I, I think they kind of got all these right. Yeah, as much as I think it would have been great to see Tom Brady win the MVP in the season he retired, I think Aaron Rodgers definitely did deserve it more than him. So I, of course, have no problem with that. He was well-deserved. He definitely should have won the MVP. Yeah, I mean, I can't complain either. You kind of got a little ahead of yourself a little bit there. But yeah, Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year. Vrabel, coach of the year. I'm in agreement with both. Both well-deserved. Comeback player of the year, we mentioned. It was a stacked field. Obviously, you had Burrow. You had Dak Prescott. Other guys really didn't get completely going this year, like McCaffrey and Saquon. Nick Bosa was a guy that had 15 and a half sacks. I thought he could have maybe been a little bit more in the conversation. But Mike Vrabel, too, I think they had absolutely had a home run with him. I think them losing Derrick Henry but still being the one seed, he was the well-deserved coach of the year for sure. I'm very happy he got his credit. One last guy I'll mention who won an award, Justin Tucker, won moment of the year for a 66-yard field goal. Of course, that one was well-deserved, too. That was awesome. Poor Lions fans. I mean, it's been – it's a whirlwind of emotion. Again, they see their old quarterback, Matthew Stafford, win a Super Bowl, and they see him go on this long playoff run. Then they have to just get reminded about, oh, yeah, remember when Justin Tucker kicked this in, like, week three? Well, he, we're going to give him the moment of the year for that. One last thing I will talk about is Andrew Whitworth winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year. He had a great story. I recommend everybody go check out his speech. It was great. He was talking about his time in Cincinnati, working in the community, and how he impacted a young kid in that community who ended up making it to the NFL, I believe his name was Derek Barnes, who's actually on the lines. And he went over to Andrew Whitworth after the game, and it was just a real wholesome moment. It kind of goes to show you how much more some of these football players do off the field and how important their community work is. Core, with the awards being said, kind of let's get into what's next going into the offseason now. I mean, we are set up last year was crazy with a bunch of quarterbacks changing places. I mean, this upcoming offseason, Corey, there are – double-digit quarterbacks that are could potentially be on the move that are significant ones. I mean, I, the big fish here is Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson's also in play. Deshaun Watson impending his legal situation. And, Corey, there are just another ton of guys on that next step. Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston's a free agent. I'm curious, like, kind of who do you want to – like, who do you think will move or kind of give me maybe a dark horse on somebody if you don't want to be like – chalk and be like, oh, man, I don't think Rodgers is going back to Green Bay. I mean, personally, like, Rodgers, though, like, he's not really a free agent, so it's, it's kind of difficult. But, I don't know, looking at these names, I don't know, personally, a guy, I don't know if Deshaun Watson will get reinstated, but I don't know. I, I would love to see. I'm not a Steelers fan, but I think you give um Deshaun – like, you give the, the Steelers Deshaun Watson, I think that team – is right up there with, with the best of the best in in the AFC. I mean, it's kind of chalk. Obviously, Deshaun Watson, before everything that went on, was was a was a superstar in the making. So, I'm not – I'm, I'm going, like, big guys. Like, obviously, Jameis Winston, Jimmy D, Jimmy G, Teddy Bridgewater, they're good quarterbacks, but they're not really, like – they're not going to take a team over the hump. They'll, they'll keep a team almost, like, stable. Like, yeah, you get this guy maybe – you can make the playoff. You're not winning the Super Bowl. I think if the Sean Watson goes to the Deshaun Watson goes to the Steelers, I'd I'd like to see that. I think they instantly turn into um 
Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that. I think the Watson situation will definitely be one close to monitor. And I'll go with somebody, too, on the similar front that I think he's a huge impact guy. will be Russell Wilson and what goes on in Seattle. Seattle, without a first-round pick, they finished last in the NFC West. And ultimately, like, I think they can make a lot of moves this offseason, and they would still be, like, the least talented roster in that division. So they definitely have to look themselves in the mirror and kind of decide what direction they want to go. I think wherever Wilson goes to could catapult a team to a Super Bowl contender. Core, there's one quarterback who it looks like will definitely be on the move who a couple of weeks ago we probably would have said, eh, I think he'll probably stay where he is right now. The Colts reports leaked out that the Colts plan to move on from Carson Wentz before he's due, like a lot of guaranteed money, I believe, in like March, like the middle of March when the new season starts. Core, I think it's very surprising, too, that this news kind of gets out because when something like this leaks, I mean, it's very hard to go back on it. So it almost makes you wonder, like, how bad was the relationship maybe with Wentz and head coach Frank Reich there or how fed up was ownership or the front office with Wentz and his performance? I mean, the Colts, I don't necessarily think you throw that complete last game against the Jaguars on Wentz. It's definitely upsetting that they weren't able to get to the playoffs when they were nine and six and all they had to do was win one of their last two games. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, you give up a first and a third round pick for this guy. I didn't think he wasn't bad this year. I mean, he was 27 and seven touchdown to interceptions threw for 3,500 yards. And like, yeah, maybe he wasn't like his old MVP form, but I mean, like, did you, like, did they expect him to be like a top 10 quarterback in the league? I thought he was serviceable. And then for you to like be so adamant on that, you're going to move on from him without a first round pick this year. It almost makes me wonder, like, what do they have in mind? Like, it must be something crazy. Like, they have to have a plan in mind at quarterback right now to, to, for this information to leak out. I mean, if not, I think they're crazy to cut Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, for what they gave up, and I don't know, I think – I just think, like, maybe they think the Colts – like, their roster is Super Bowl good. Maybe, like, they think the quarterback is that missing piece. I don't know. Maybe they think they're getting Aaron Rodgers – but I, I don't I don't really think that. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they thought Carson Wentz could be that guy. And like all you did, all you had to do was beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in the last week of the season. And they didn't like obviously I don't think it's all on Carson Wentz. Like it's a team game. It's not only it's not all on your quarterback. But I don't know. Maybe the way he performed in in that game, the team performed, just didn't sit right with the front office. And personally, like None of us, neither one of us know how the relationship was with Carson Wentz. I think like Frank Reich, obviously they've had, they've been together before, but no one knows how their relationship was this season or how Carson Wentz, his relationship was with the front office. So I don't know. I think for, for information to be leaked like that, um, I don't know. I think that's definitely not a good sign. I don't know. You think if Carson Wentz gets cut or whatever like what do you think the um, the future holds for for him honestly now what's interesting is that I think last offseason I mean maybe I didn't say it but this is kind of how I felt like if I thought Carson Wentz was going to fail in India I thought it was going to be pretty difficult for him to go get a starting job but I wouldn't necessarily say he completely failed in India like I thought he was more than serviceable I don't think Wentz will have a problem latching on to a team this year and being a starting quarterback especially honest if it's a team that's like contending in the sense that maybe they think Wentz can get them to the playoffs because I think Wentz is a better option than maybe some of the guys like a Teddy Bridgewater, maybe even a Jimmy Garoppolo in a sense. I think those two guys are different styles in a sense where Wentz is, you're going to get maybe a higher ceiling, but a lower floor with Wentz. I think maybe a team like Washington would make sense where Wentz Pittsburgh will be another common 
place that he's pegged to. I mean, New Orleans, I guess, with the uncertainty there. I don't. It's just interesting for me where Wentz could potentially go. But I think where, like, I think he's definitely like. I, I think there's still like he still should be a starting quarterback in the NFL is what I'm trying to get to as. But of course, swinging things back to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, if I had to give you a, a like, if you had to choose right now, who would be the Colts quarterback week one of the 2022 season? Who are you going with? Because they don't have a first round pick this year on their roster. They have Sam Ellinger, who's never started an NFL game. Jacob Eason, who has never started an NFL game. I mean, there's no really free agent quarterbacks who are huge gets. You know what I mean? Jameis Winston is a free agent. Marcus Mariota. You have Mitch Trubisky, who's a free agent. A lot of other guys you have to give up draft capital for, and you're down your first and your third round pick. So I'm curious. I mean, who's your prediction right now? I mean, if it's not Carson Wentz and you don't really have picks, I I don't really know. I think uh, – I was thinking, like, you can, I don't think they can get up and trade for a guy like like a Matt Corral. I know Matt – I heard Matt Corral played, like, high school ball, I think, with um, with Michael Pittman. But I don't know. I mean, if I got a look – if you're saying, like, you want to move on from Carson Wentz, I think you got to have plans to upgrade from that. So if I'm going to think like that, I'm, I'm looking – I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to Indy, but like, I don't know. I think maybe if, if, if you're that sure about moving on from Carson Wentz, I don't know, maybe week one, I'll say like they got some big plans in store. I think Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, like you can make pitches to them that they could win a Super Bowl with this team. So I don't know. I think if you're moving on from Wentz, I don't see you starting a rookie because you might as well just give Wentz another chance. You traded enough for him. So I'm going to say they go big and somehow they're starter. Like if they're moving on from Wentz, I think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. I'll go with that. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair too. I think that like, yeah, why would you move on from somebody and then kind of almost like downgrade in a sense, go with a more like average quarterback play. If you ask me, if you're not going to go for a complete sure thing in a Rodgers or a Wilson. So I think that is definitely a possibility. I know the Colts too have a lot of young players on their team so maybe they might not have the draft capital but they have a good offensive line outside of their left tackle position they have other places where you know what I mean maybe a team like the Packers who are gonna have Jordan Love they don't really need as much a quarterback replacement because they already have one so they'll they'll be fine with a couple young players in return and maybe a future pick here and there so I think that is maybe a possibility but again to risk it on the Packers even trading Rodgers with that situation I think it's crazy I think if you want to ask me what's more likely is they go one or two ways. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, or Matt Ryan. Because Matt Ryan, there's a lot of discussions. I remember last offseason, but the way that the money was really working out wasn't great. Who knows even though if the Falcons want to move off him because they have the eighth overall pick this draft. There's no really QB that makes complete, like that anybody would really be in love with it seems like to this point. So why would they move off Ryan? But with Garoppolo, it almost seems like Trey Lance is going to take, I mean, Trey Lance is going to take over as the quarterback there. Garoppolo probably won't get you a first. He, or you could probably get away with giving up a second for Garoppolo. So do I think Garoppolo is better than Wentz? I think Garoppolo is safer than Wentz, but I think also, I think the 49ers and the Colts are honestly a pretty good comparison in teams. So I think Garoppolo would be asked to do like what he was asked to do in San Francisco. But I mean, we just saw San Francisco not win with Garoppolo and them kind of push Jimmy out. So if you're the Colts, like, what are you expecting? You think you're that much better than San Francisco, which top to bottom roster wise, it's a good debate. Who's a better team. I think the 49ers on defense 
like, and the Colts on defense, obviously pretty similar with like some of the star power that they have. I don't think the Colts have a pass rusher even close to Nick Bosa, but Darius Leonard, Fred Warner, they have a good offensive line too. And they don't really have the skill position players at receiver, but they do have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. So I don't know. I, I, I think Jimmy G would make sense in Indianapolis. What I don't think makes a lot of sense is going from Carson Wentz to Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm curious. I mean, but that's what makes sense to me right now that they're moving on from Wentz here. I'm curious, like, what do you think about Jimmy G and in Indy? I mean, I think Jimmy G and in Indy could could work, but like, like, I don't know. Like you kind of said, I don't know. I just feel like going from going from Carson Wentz to Jimmy G. Like, how does that better your team? Because if you're like, honestly, I think like Jimmy G. I'll give it to him, and his career has been a winner, but I don't know. Like, I think if Jimmy G maybe – I personally think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jimmy G, but Jimmy G has shown the ability while at San Francisco with another, like, good team. Like, he would have a good team. With the Colts, like, he's been able to win. He's gotten to a Super Bowl. So, I don't know. if Like, if they're going to move on and not go big, like, get a guy like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, I think Jimmy G – Personally, I don't love it because you're not really getting that much better. But I don't know. I think the history for, for, for Jimmy G, like, I guess, like, the history and analytics behind it, like, Jimmy G wins football games. And I know Carson Wentz had, like, a winning, like, a good season with um, with Philly. They got to the playoffs, won a Super Bowl. Obviously, he wasn't the starter in that game. But I don't know. I think if the, if the Colts think their team's so good, um, they can get to the playoffs – and lean on that defense, lean on that run game. And you know Jimmy G, he's he's going to be protective, more of a game manager. So I don't know if they think like Carson – Carson Wentz really didn't turn the ball over much this year though. But I don't know. Jimmy G personally is a winner. So honestly don't hate the move, but I don't really love it. I think if you're moving on from Wentz, you got to upgrade to like uh, a star quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that it's too much of a lateral move in a sense. I think that if you're going to move on from him – you got to go and take a significant step forward. I don't think Garoppolo even – you could argue that he's not even a step forward. I think maybe he's a little safer. But, again, with low risk comes low reward. I think with Wentz, some of the appealing stuff for me is that if you get some of 2017 Wentz, the Colts are a true Super Bowl contender. Whoever they bring in that quarterback core, they're definitely going to need a couple weapons too on the outside. Outside of Michael Pittman, they don't really have a great receiving core. I know they have Zach Paschal there, T.Y. Hilton. I mean, he's getting up there in age. You have – Paris Campbell, a young player out of Ohio State who hasn't really gotten going. So they definitely have to bring in another piece, regardless of who's that quarterback at wide receiver. Core, with all that being said, that's going to be it for today's episode. For now, our plan is, I don't necessarily know if we're going to stay with weekly over the offseason, but for sure when the combine comes, we'll get on an episode, of course, with free agency and stuff like that. So definitely be on the lookout for those episodes and stuff because we got to keep you guys intact. I mean, it is draft season two, core. There's no better season like the NFL draft, reading all the mock drafts and pretending to be the expert who's watched these guys for six months in and out. But you know what I mean? We watch our college football. We kind of can give you guys some unique insight on what we've seen and what we've learned about some of these prospects. But, core, with that, that's our last episode of the 2021 NFL season. Anything you want to leave off with? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a really good season, probably one of the best ones in – um. In a while, obviously, last year, there really were no fans at the games. I think this year, like, 100% attendance at most, like, pretty much all stadiums. Um, I don't know. And then they were just, like, great games. Obviously, I think, I think this playoffs were pretty pretty historic with the close games there were. So, yeah, I think 
21, the 2021-2022 season, I think um, one of the best seasons in, in recent memory, honestly. Next season, we'll have some high expectations to reach, and I don't know if they're really going to be able to shatter what happened this year. I mean, it was crazy from week one to week 18. I mean, throw into that, we had an extra game this season because of the new rules and the extended season and then how great the playoffs were and stuff like that. But be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.